The last eight days have been terribly difficult for all Americans of goodwill who cherish the ideals of the Founding Fathers. And so we need to pray for America today. Prayer is not a last resort. It's the first resort. Let us pray. <clears throat> oh God, during these hot days of summer, the heat of discord is breaking America's heart. The fabric of our beloved nation has been stressed by hate and prejudice. Oh God, spread your healing calm across America's strained nerves. Forgive us for sometimes being part of the problem rather than part of the solution. Help us forgive those who deliberately offend us with the same spirit shown by the members of Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston. Oh God, use the Christian community to model a better path for America. Show us how to respect every person as someone made in your image, regardless of his or her beliefs. Help us evaluate people not based on race or money, but on the content of character. Teach America to be gentle and forgiving toward our ancestors, hoping that future generations will be gentle and forgiving toward us. Heal the ties that bind us as Americans from sea to shining sea. Amen. I call your attention to the sermon notes in your bulletin. There are some blanks to be filled in, so thank you for being conscientious with that. <clears throat> now let us pray. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken. Give us your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> like many of you, I am an avid fan of Tim Tebow. Now, for those of you who never read sport pages and could care less about sports, let me inform you that Tim Tebow is a former great football player who is now trying to succeed in professional baseball. And while I rejoiced recently that he was promoted in the minor league system, I sure do miss him as part of the Columbia Fireflies. Tebow is probably 
the most outspoken Christian in American sports. Indeed, a few years ago when he was the All-American quarterback at the University of Florida, he, like most football and baseball players, used eye black, the anti-glare strip they placed under their eyes. Well, Tebow knew that television cameras especially would focus on his face often with close-ups. Tebow, always eager to witness for his Lord, began to print John 3.16 on his eye black. That deeply offended the NCAA, National Collegiate Athletic Association. They were deeply offended. So they passed a new rule, a Tebow rule, forbidding any messages from the eye black. Oh yes, the U.S. Constitution guarantees to all of us free exercise of religion unless you work for the NCAA. Any Heisman winning, award winning football player like Tim Tebow would automatically dream of being a success in the National Football League. It's a no-brainer, goes with the territory. Of course he would. And that was Tebow's dream. But it did not work out. He had some initial flashes of success, but then he was rejected by one NFL club after another. The consensus was he did not have the necessary skill set to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. His dream was disrupted. Haven't all of us had at least one disrupted dream? Surely. Maybe you were in love with somebody and he or she was not in love with you. Maybe you watched the years go by and the right mate just never has come along. And therefore, your dream of a family and home disrupted. Perhaps you were turned down for some big promotion that would have secured your career. And you were almost there and worked so hard for it. And then your dream was disrupted. Maybe you and your spouse have looked forward to retirement with opportunities to travel. But then, within a few years of that target date, one of you develops some debilitating physical condition and all of those travel plans have to be canceled. Even young people have to deal with disrupted dreams. A young woman yearns to be a cheerleader, but she's just never elected or selected for that position. A young man dreams of being a college basketball player, but as his high school years go by, he becomes painfully aware that his skill set is just not up to the level of college basketball. Sometimes young people have to deal with being rejected by the college they want to attend. How we deal with our disrupted dreams tells volumes about our faith. And today, if you are angry or sad about some disrupted dream. You sure did come to the right place this morning. The Bible is full of stories of disrupted dreams. Take old Moses, the liberator of those, all of those Hebrew people down in Egypt as slaves. About a million of them. Moses, 
led them out of Egyptian slavery, led them toward the promised land, 40 years across that hostile desert. And most of the time, those folks were complaining to him. Poor old Moses. How would you like to have a million people coming to you every day and saying, are we there yet? Poor old Moses. The goal was the promised land. And God allowed Moses to get right next to it, but not to enter it. He took Moses up on top of Mount Nebo and had him look out on the whole promised land, what is now Israel, the West Bank, Syria, Jordan. He had him look at it, and I know Moses said, Oh God, please let me go in there. I've worked and toiled for this for 40 years. But God said, No. You're going to die and be buried on this side of the Jordan River. The people will go in, but, but you will not. His dream was disrupted. And then consider King David, the man we've been thinking about the last few weeks. A man that the Bible says is a man after God's own heart. And all his life, it had been David's firm and settled intention to build a great temple to the honor of God Almighty right there in Jerusalem. The Lord had even showed him the exact piece of land on which the temple was to be built. But when all of David's wars were won and the country was bathed with peace and prosperity, God said, no, David, no. You're not going to build that temple. You've been a man of war. Your son, Solomon, will be a man of peace. He's going to build that temple. David's dream was disrupted. From the stories of Moses and David, let me suggest three steps to take when you are dealing with a disrupted dream. First, remember that having big dreams is a good thing. Having big dreams is a good thing. God commended David saying, because it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well to have this in your heart. A great United Methodist layman who's gone on to heaven now taught me a great truth. He taught me this. He who fails to plan, plans to fail. He who fails to plan, plans to fail. And in order to plan wisely, you got to have a long-term vision for the future. Surely, we should have a greater purpose than just surviving for 80 or 90 years and then going to heaven. Surely, we're supposed to help build the kingdom of God right here. And in order to do that, we got to have big dreams. Now, there's some people who make fun of New Year's resolutions. I do not. I think they're a great thing. Every Christian should set annual goals, not just for personal advancement, but for the advancement of the kingdom of God. 25 years ago, before many of you were here, Mount Horeb Church was a relatively small church. You could even call it a country church, situated between Lexington and Lake Murray. But some people especially Pastor Jeff Kersey and some key laypersons, had huge dreams. N not dreams for themselves or the institution, 
They had a flaming dream that the kingdom of God could find powerful expression in this very area. And just look what has happened in 25 years. Today, Mount Horeb Church is the largest United Methodist Church in the state of South Carolina. You see, when your dream is in line with God's purposes, great things happen. So, that ought to lead all of us to ask, what are our dreams? How could we advance God's kingdom in the coming year? Is there a volunteer task that fits my hand? Is there a mission trip in my future? Is there a shut-in somewhere who needs my attention? Could you be a blessing as part of a small group in Mount Horeb Church? Is there some new ministry that God wants Mount Horeb to attempt and he's going to give you the idea for it? Clergy are not the only ones who can dream dreams for a church. Some of God's best ideas come through lay people. Dreaming big dreams is a good thing. And may God give us the spirit of St. Paul who said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's the second step in dealing with a disrupted dream. When the sign reads dead end, look for God's detour. When the sign reads dead end, look for God's detour. God will not leave you staring at a dead end sign. God will not stomp on your dreams. When God says no, no is never the last word. Sometimes God says no to your plan and then adds, the time is not right. You got to wait. Sometimes God says no to your plan and then adds this, I've got a better idea than that. And he, he is so much wiser, so much better than we are. So, remember, no is never God's last word. Consider Tim Tebow. When his professional career in football ended, most players, many players in his position would have become resentful and angry. Many would have blamed coaches, team owners. That was not the path chosen by Tim Tebow. He's a man of faith, and we know he prayed, and some of his prayers when he saw football ending were probably anguished prayers. We know he prayed. Do you suppose... God whispered in his ear, Tim, have you ever considered baseball? Because you know, Tim is the most influential Christian in American sports. As long as Tebow is a public figure, God is going to be honored. And so the Lord, might, he might be seeming to help Tim stay in a high visibility position knowing that his name will be honored in the process. Now, it's too early to know whether baseball will work out for Tim Tebow or not. I've got a feeling that his long-term future may be on the mission field where his parents spent so many years. One thing is sure, 
Anytime Tebow faces a dead end, God will provide a better detour. The famous author Nathaniel Hawthorne was once a totally unknown person working for a customs house in Boston. And when a new administrator was appointed there at the customs house, he fired Nathaniel Hawthorne. Hawthorne was distraught. He had a family to support. He had no idea how he could break the news to his wife and what her reaction would be. Well, he went home in a terribly dejected mood and told her the news. And her reaction was very different from what he thought. She sat him down at a table and put paper and pen and ink in front of him. She lit the fireplace, put her arms around his shoulders and said, now you can write your book. And he began work on a novel called The Scarlet Letter, regarded as one of the top five novels in American history. When your road reaches a dead end, look for God's detour. Here's the third step in dealing with a disrupted dream. Play the hand you're dealt with faith and courage. Play the hand you're dealt with faith and courage. Now Moses is one of our Old Testament role models here. When God told him he would not be able to go over into the promised land, his dream was disrupted, but he didn't sit down and pout and complain and fuss. He just went to work carefully training his successor, a man named Joshua. And he sat down and wrote the book of Deuteronomy, which gave the Israelites their standards for living in the promised land. Even in the face of great disappointment, Moses acted with faith and courage. King David is another of our Old Testament role models. God said no to his great plans of building a temple in Jerusalem. A man of lesser breed would have said, oh, if I'm not allowed to do it, I don't want anything to do with this project. That was not King David's reaction. Instead, he asked, what can I do to help my son Solomon get ready for that great work? And he did a lot. He gathered expert craftsmen. He amassed the necessary materials. He arranged contracts for stone and timber, iron, silver, gold. He laid the foundations for the temple. With all his heart and strength, he toiled for this temple that God had told him he would never see. He played the hand he was dealt with faith and courage. St. Paul is our New Testament role model. He yearned to go to Spain to preach the gospel to people who had never heard it before. Paul had a, a passion for reaching unreached people. He loved to be the first to bring the good news to a particular area. Spain was such an area. So he wrote to those Christians in Rome and said, I plan to visit you because I'm, I'm going to be on my way to Spain and I want to spend some time with you and maybe you will be one of my sponsors in helping me get to Spain. It was a good plan. Paul never made it to Spain. On the way in Jerusalem, he was arrested. Never was a free man again. He made it to Rome, all right, but not as a free man. He went there as a prisoner. 
spent the rest of his days in a jail and was executed. Now, if I had been in Paul's place, knowing my limitations as well as I do, I'm afraid I would not have reacted too well. I got a feeling I might have just sat down and fussed big time. I can imagine me saying to God, look, I can't believe the way you're treating me. Here I am, your number one evangelist in the whole world, and I've got this passion to go preach your gospel in Spain. And instead of paving the way for me, you let me end up in a lousy, rotten jail. I can't believe it. If this is the way you treat your friends, I'd hate to be your enemy. I'm afraid I might have reacted that way. Paul did not. He sat down in that jail and wrote half the New Testament. Do you suppose God knew that Paul was such an obsessive compulsive, the only way to make him sit down and write is to lock him up in jail? Could be. The important thing is that Paul bloomed where he was planted. How could Paul be so positive even in jail? His secret is given in his letter to the Philippians. Chapter 4, in verse 11, he says, I have learned the secret of being content in each and every situation. And then in verse 13, he gives us a secret. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Some years ago, I was preaching in revival services in Madison Heights, Virginia. And I got to know a layman in that church named Buster. And Buster told me his story. He told me that 25 years earlier, when he had just graduated from high school, he had no relationship with God at all. And one night, he was driving his Volkswagen, Bug, and he had to cross a railroad track. He saw that a train was coming, but he figured he could beat the train across the track. He was wrong. That train hit him broadside in that little tiny VW bug. Completely destroyed the automobile. And Buster was left with two broken legs, a broken jaw, and he lost one eye. He was in hospital for months. And there in the hospital, dealing with pain and loss, he had time to do a lot of deep thinking. And it kept occurring to him, what are the chances of a train hitting you broadside in a Volkswagen bug and you surviving? And the answer was real small. And so he said, you know, maybe God was involved in that. And if God was involved and I survived and I've still got my decent mind, maybe God has a plan for me. And there in the hospital, he surrendered his heart to Christ and he's been a faithful follower ever since. Today he is a lay pastor in that church. I love Buster's motto. He goes like this, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a present, a gift from God. I like that. His favorite verse is Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord 
and are trying to fit into his plans. Buster told me that he even considers that collision a blessing. He said, if I had not been hit by that train, I might not be a Christian today. So, don't complain if life has dealt you a tough hand or if someone else has been dealt a better hand than you. Just play the hand you're dealt with faith and courage. God can do something similar but much, much greater. He can touch the diabolical discord of our disrupted dreams as if it were a piano, transforming our disasters into sacred stepping stones. When we offer him our frustrations and our fractured hopes, he touches them with grace and makes us more than conquerors. If you're facing a fractured dream, a disrupted dream today, I dare you, I dare you to step out in faith and ask God for his glorious detour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.